Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937, with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Sheward and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. You may have heard the story about the famous bank robber, Slick Willie Sutton. In the early 1950s, after a series of bank robberies, the police finally caught up with Slick Willie. When he was asked why he robbed banks, Mr. Sutton explained, because that's where the money is. Well, times have changed. Today we think of someone completely different when we hear the name Slick Willie. And banks are no longer where the money is. At least not if you're looking to borrow capital to invest in your business. Entrepreneurs and business owners looking for loans are often too much of a risk for banks to take. Here in Louisiana, one of the few alternative places you can turn to for capital is a company called Cardinal Capital Commercial Financial Services. Cardinal reportedly has over 4,000 sources of capital, including pension funds and insurance companies, who are ready to put money into Louisiana businesses. The CMO and partner in Cardinal Capital is Rob Powell. Rob, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's good to be here. In business, everybody loves a success story. We all want to be successful, but if by success we think of Bill Gates, Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos, we're most likely all going to define ourselves as a failure. One of the keys to success is defining what success looks like to you. Maybe it's tons of money, maybe it's a small fishing camp, maybe it's having a career that gives you some kind of work-life balance. Whatever it is, once you've defined it, you can map out a path for how to get there. That of course is a lot easier said than done, unless you know Joel Dawson. Joel Dawson is a business consultant, a sales consultant, and a motivational speaker. If you've ever had periods of self-doubt where you've wondered if any of your hard work will ever amount to anything, a few minutes with Joel will dispel all of those thoughts surer than a shot of whiskey and a Roddy Romero song. Joel, welcome to Out to Lunch. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's glad to be here. Rob. Like Slick Willie, the bank robber, most of us still think that if we need money, we go to the bank. That can work for a mortgage or a personal loan. But when it comes to a business loan, the biggest problem with going to the bank is that banks are legally hamstrung from helping. As I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, a bank is only empowered to take your loan application and say yes or no. They're legally forbidden from working with you on various various options that might mitigate the risk or point you in a better direction. The results are that a lot of bank loan applications are being declined because it's safer to say no than yes. That's correct. And that's where Cardinal Capital steps in. What do you do with a customer that allows you to say yes when the banks say no? Well, first of all, we um, we work on behalf of our clients, not on behalf of a bank. So. When you come to Cardinal Capital, our, our tagline is connecting business to capital. We will go out and find capital for our clients. We work on their behalf. We're not selling a product. We're not selling anything 
that we have invested interest You're just in. a connector? We will connect you to the money that is that is out there, depending so, on what kind of money you need. What if you think the business is not viable or not a good idea or doesn't have the right people involved? We have, we have unfortunately, had situations where we've had to tell people, we can help you, but you have to go through a few hoops. Uh, before you get there, you have to you know, re restructure your management team. Possibly, we have to you know carry over some debt, whatever the whatever the situation may be. And believe me, uh, for every company, there's a situation that they run across. We have come across those situations where we say, "No, you'll have to do this. Uh, come back to us in a little while before you." Uh, and with programs on TV like Shark Tank, where everyone right. thinks they can be an entrepreneur, right. how is are people just showing up on your door with their next great idea, expecting investment? We do. That's probably about 20% uh, of the people that show up for us. Uh, the balance are people that are refinancing or they're mid-stage growth or mid-market. Um, some emerging market technologies, some entrepreneurs, with their, they literally will come in with a shoebox and an idea and say, can you help me? Um, and we listen to them. We do, and we can give them advice on where to go um, to get the capital they need to move forward. And a lot of times that's more than just capital that they need. They need services like yours, and we go, uh, so we do help them. And again, we work on behalf of the client. Joel, we're all familiar with the saying, talk is cheap. Meaning it's easy to talk a good game, but getting results is a whole different matter. Mm -hmm. What you do is talk to people and then they get results. This might seem like a weird question, but are you able to tap into some sort of metaphysical connection between your words and someone else's actions? What are the mechanics of what's actually going on when you propel someone else to success? That is a great question. I like it. When I, when I take a speaking engagement, um, a lot of times there's a, 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 an undertone of a message that they're looking for. Okay, they want me to, for example, be able to deliver that message because just like when we were kids, you know, your parents can tell you to do something and tell you to do it, you're not going to do it. But if you hear someone else say it, then the light bulb goes off and they say, aha, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. Okay, a lot of the times it's just, you know, a reiteration from something that they want. If it's me personally, understanding the mechanics of how to write a speech to be able to connect to not only one person, but to a group. And a lot of times it's based on emotion. And here's the thing that separates a lot of, say, people that, that may want to enter the professional speaking business versus the people that actually do it is you have to be transparent yourself. Because the way that you make a connection with an audience is by you opening up first. It's not like most people think it is where you just, you got to do this, you got to do this, or if you do this and rah, 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 it's not like that. And even though you have a speech, you're not being an actor, you're being yourself. Right, exactly. That's gone by the wayside a long time ago. You, you, just think about if, if people want to watch acting, they'll watch television. And even in watching television, you have more people that watch YouTube, which is more reality, versus you know, your syndicated shows on television because they, you know, they, they want that connection. They want that human emotion, whether it's good or bad. That's what they want, and that's what connects people. I've got a question for you, Joel. I got an answer. Um, it sounds like a lot of your success is driven by how well you listen to your audience. You have to. Correct. Because, right. you know, believe it or not, most professional speakers are introverts, not extroverts. And this, this is why. And I'm not saying anything bad about extroverts because there are some that are extremely successful. Les Brown is an extrovert. 
But a lot of the people that I run across, extroverts want to say what they want to say. Mm -hmm. Introverts say what the audience wants to hear. It's the same thing we run across, is we have to listen to our customers. Sometimes they'll come to us and say, hey, I need a loan for $3 million. No, they uh -huh. don't really need a loan for $3 million. Mm -hmm. They need a problem solved. Now we have a toolbox that we can deliver and pull out whatever tools we need, just uh -huh. like you do. And ours are in forms of financial products or financial services or you know a mix and sometimes we'll Frankenstein that thing together or you know, mm -hmm. Mr. Potato Head it together and give a solution. I'm going to use I'm that. Assuming, I'm assuming it's like somewhat like what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both of you, let, let's, we'll get real here, seeing as we're talking about reality and sure. it's, you know it's a thing now. Rob, you're also about to launch your own business <laughs> um, so you're you're learning this real world thing you don't just advise people to do it you're actually doing it yourself Correct. tell us tell us about this well, new business I'll go one I'll go one step further I came from I, I'm a marketing guy by uh, by trade and I was fortunate enough to be on the starting side of two companies pre IPO through the IPO process pretty impressive companies as and well they well they, they were we had a we had a good run we did and it was a wonderful life but I learned quite a bit there I was one of the um, original hires for Grand Casinos. Grand Casinos, uh, we had, what did we wow. open? Nine in six years, I believe. We were on Fortune Magazine's company of fastest growing companies in North America. What and the second one's another little place you may have it's heard of. It's called Rainforest Cafe. And uh, I was with it when we had, I believe, two stores. We went public with one store, which you can't do now. Uh, it was in the Mall of America in, uh, in Minneapolis. Grew it to 32, and we sold it to um, uh, Tillman Fertitta over in uh, in Houston. So you're not just some sales guy who has links. You really know about the business world because you've been there and done it. I wouldn't say that. And if you find anybody who says they really know everything about the business world, uh, mm -hmm. look out. Yes. So, I'm allowed um, to say it, though. And because of your answer, I believe it even we, more. We have, we, we've had a wonderful life and have always and continue to learn things. So let's talk about a little business called Hayride Scandal. Well, that is a, it's, it's, it's funny. We were mentioning this earlier. We, um, the business model for Cardinal Capital strangely started in a bar. And this bar had a previous name. And then we went on, we grew and we got offices. Well, I wound up buying the bar. The bar we turned into a whiskey bar and a craft cocktail bar called Hayride Scandal in Baton Rouge. Now, in Lafayette and Acadiana, we are going to open another one here in, uh, at River Ranch, and we're very excited about it. So this is a business bar? No, it's a whiskey and it's a fun bar. Okay. It's a whiskey and craft cocktail. But I'm sure cocktail. there will be lots of business deals. Uh, correct, spot. correct, correct. It's, uh, it's, it, so, we do have conversations there, yeah. So both of you have really done your stuff, and now you both help people to create new businesses. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest misconception that they come to either of you with? Oh, I got to handle that one. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I got to because they automatically assume that it's going to be easy. That's exactly what I was going to say. That all, they, they don't need me. The only thing they say, look, I just need you to help me pitch to somebody that's got the money. That's all I need. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And the sad part about it, a lot of times, and, and just from my experience, when, when people have that, that, that perception of that's what business is, I can't change that because I, if I would drop that list, it would roll all the way out that door. No, you need so much more. But they just automatically assume that they have an idea and it's going to automatically take off. No, you just have an idea right now. That's all you have is an idea. First of all, you got to prove that people want it. 
because like Aaron Ryan's always said, people spend a lot of money crafting these great products that nobody wants to buy. So the, the biggest thing that I run across is people just automatically assume that it's going to be easy. Look, I got this idea and I had this conversation about three days ago with someone. Hey, I have this product and I need to find somebody that's going to manufacture it and distribute it and I get paid. Those were the exact words. <laughs> we run across people that, yes, they, they it, early stage companies do tend to think it's easier than it was. And it's the big aha moment for them when they realize But then if we didn't all believe it's easier than it is, maybe we'd never start. Correct. Correct. And they get into it and they wind up, those who are more successful eat, breathe, and sleep this. Mm -hmm. And they have a different, there are different challenges. They have to... Uh, you know they have payroll challenges maybe or or dips in the um, uh, you know dips in the economy lately uh, hit a bunch of them and they really were in the middle of what do I do now can you help me mm -hmm. very successful businesses on their own right but they may have a couple of hiccups here and there that we help them through using capital as a as a, uh, a means to help them get to so let's talk business how do you guys make money do you get a percentage right. of the company who who do you who pays you yeah the client pays us uh, we charge an upfront fee it's a very small fee but it covers our how time small? to go um, you know it usually is Ooh. in the 2000 2500 range it's gone as low as 500 it's gone as high as 45,000 it depends on the deal and honestly how much work we have to do in there now that the fee up front is two things now for that 45,000 several million dollars we were going after so um, and it was quite complex structure um, within the the, the, uh, the business itself now we typically won't look at a company unless it's um, uh, they're looking for twenty two hundred fifty thousand dollars or above, but our sweet spot's between one and five million. But we do go higher. We will look at things that are lower, uh, that are ask that is lower. If it's a good charity that we feel um, uh, feel compelled to get involved in, we will look at them. If they need some money for operational cash or whatever, we will go help them find money. But how we get paid is we have an upfront fee, and that that does two things. It covers our cost and it engages our client. If it was free, and you know this, I'm sure you've, you've talked about this before, if it was free, they may not give us the, they may not be as responsive, you know? Now, now we're engaged here, we're part of the process with them. And then we get paid uh, no more than two points on the back end of whatever money we find them, that's what we get. So we don't really make any money until the closing, and then it's only two points, and we make sure you get the money to, <laughs> to pay us. So. And Acadian is really growing as a hub for new businesses. Absolutely. With, with the success of Way Too Recently, Absolutely. and with the accelerator that I know Joel and both, I have both taught pitch training on. Um, is Are people now seeing it as an area where I want to start my own business, this is a good place to be, rather than move into, at one point, San Francisco and then Austin? Is this a, place, a good place to start a business at the moment? We believe so. Um, we're, we looked at our second location for the bar as a good example because we thought the demographics here, the business. Okay, let's here. talk. Does Acadiana <laughs> need another bar? This is South Louisiana. You never have enough bars. A good quality whiskey bar and craft cocktail bar? Yes. Well, obviously, you believe it because that's you've put your money in. Right. Well, so. I'm sorry, Greg. What deals do you have going on at the moment? Tell us. Specifics. A lot of oil and gas, uh, a lot of dirt, a multifamily. Um, we've done uh, gastropubs. Um, 
done quite a few. These days, about 60% of our business is in the multifamily uh, housing units and uh, apartment complexes. So condos, you're still seeing more like businesses that. like that than the startups? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, some of these are, are new investors that want to get into the fourplexes, sixplex, aplex, you know, those types of, uh, um, of, of uh, assets. And, uh, and we, we take a look at those, but they're new at it, so they could be considered a startup. Um, around here, we're seeing quite a few. Uh, the Gastropub was here in Lafayette. They were brand new. They were an oil field worker, and I can't remember what his wife did. Um, I believe he was an engineer, and I can't remember what she did, but they had never been in the retail B2C business, and they found a franchise they wanted to get into, and we helped them get into that. Um, so we're seeing those. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Rob Powell from Cardinal Capital and consultant Joel Dawson. We'll be back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Rob Powell from Cardinal Capital and consultant Joel Dawson. Joel, I imagine that businesses come to you when they know that they need new skills and new mindsets to survive in this world. How do you stay ahead with what's happening in businesses and so that you can teach them? It's a lot of research on whoever the end user is because, you know, we're all consumers of, of something. We're all consumers. But sometimes, you know, it, it, it changes. You know, people have, you know, different interests. People have different problems. But for me, since we're, since we're talking startups, I start, and this is actually how I started my business when it, when it came to pitch training, was not from the top down to, hey, I'm a pitch trainer. You know, let me train you how to pitch. What I found, and, and this was years ago, there was, a, there was a disconnect as far as what people were telling entrepreneurs and what investors were actually looking for. So what I did was I said, okay, what are they looking for? So I did a lot of research on that. And that's when I got involved in a lot of the, the different networks here and, and some up north, um, all of them in the, the Delta Regional Authority footprint, which is here to Chicago. And I found there were certain consistencies that they were looking for before they pulled the trigger on a business, which means before they actually say, okay, I like this business, okay, I would like to go to the next step. So, and, and knowing that's like, okay, well, as far as like say pitch training, that, that's not it, we, that's still a lot of work to do. So my, my focus became instead of say pitch training, for example, like, and I, I still say pitch training because that's what people related to, but it's more geared toward what they're going to actually be looking for when they look at investing in a business. Of course, you know, I teach them how to, uh, you know, how to actually present, you know, from the platform and, and all of those type of things. But there's certain just 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 hardcore things that you have to have in place before they will even take a look at you. Of course, they're going to be nice and take a look. But in the back of their mind, it's like this, this, it's not even ready. It's not. And that's based on certain things that they have to have in place before they go find somebody that's going to be even interested in it because this is the one thing that I always say when people come to me, they're really excited about it. They're really excited. And I always tell them, an investor is, going to, is more disciplined with his money than you will ever be about your idea. So both of you took a skill you had and instead of just applying it 
um, to creating your own business, and you know, although you both have business backgrounds, and you could have just sold things with, instead of doing sales training. What is it in you that have both made a business out of helping other people to do what you do rather than just doing it yourself? Well, that's where the passion is. It's you have to have a passion for this, and, and it's fun. It really is. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on what Joel just said because. We see people who have gone through the friends, family, and fools is what we, what we call it, uh, round of investing. Then they go to a Series A or they go around for a series, uh, uh, some debt. And it is fun and watching the them go. Series A and B are just rounds of getting uh, money from Getting people. money from, from uh, institutional investors. And what they will do, and this is where the fun comes in, is once you have the mechanics down of your widget, whatever that may be, and you have the mechanics and you think you've got a really good business plan and set of financials and forecasts, what what's they look for and what you're talking about is, is the intangibles there. And that's where the fun is, to your point. That's what we like doing is saying, okay. And it, we literally coach them on what to say and what not to say. And don't answer a question that's not asked. And, uh, you know, those types of things and how to present yourself in front of when you're going after X number of dollars. In large cases, it's, you know, it's a very risky uh, uh, proposition, not only for the one who's asking, but for the one who has the money. Right. So. For me, for me, for but me. But that's where I get my passion. Yeah. Why are you a sales trainer and don't just sell things and make lots of money for yourself? Because the one thing that I've always wanted to do since I was a kid other than work on the back of the garbage truck, that was my first thing I wanted to do when I was, come on, man, guys love big trucks. You know, that was, I'm glad that, you know, career choice didn't pan out. But I, I, I liked working for myself. I used to mow lawns when I was a kid, and I did very well. I was cheap. Nobody knew how much money I was making, but my dad was only giving me like five bucks, okay? But I would have like three or 400 bucks in my pocket when I was like 13 years old because I never really spent it. And when I turned 18, my mom gave me the great wisdom, you need to go get a job. Because she loved me, I did that. And I worked at Walmart. I worked for two weeks, worked my guts out in the heat, and I got my check. And my check was like a hundred and like 80 something bucks or something like that. I was, I can't, I can't tell you how mad I was because of that. I felt ripped off because I saw all of these deductions. I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, Miss Jones across the street, she never took any deductions. But I've always tried to get back to that. So after that change and I made that decision that I was not going to work for anyone ever again, I wanted other, because a lot of people, not that being an employee is bad at all. We, we all have to have some way of generating income. But there's a lot of people that want to become entrepreneurs. It's okay to want to become an entrepreneur. That's what I tell them. But you got to learn how to sell. Okay, this stuff is not going to fly off the shelf by itself. You're not going to just do Facebook ads and people are going to buy it. You have to learn how to communicate with another individual face-to-face. You have to learn how to sell yourself. You have to learn how to sell your idea. And to be able to take people through that, those that are willing, I, you know, I get, I get fulfillment from that. It's not about the money. It's a, I have to get paid, though. But it's more that that's what fulfills me when somebody's willing to go against the norm of having, you know, that nine to five job that they're absolutely sick of, knowing that they have this business idea in the back of their head somewhere. You know, I tell them it's okay. Let's do it. This is what you have to do first. This is what you have to do second. So both of you, not just doing a business, you're doing a passion. You have lots of things going on at once. Work-life balance. What do you do to relax or? 
they're both just looking at me strangely now and laughing. No. Tell me about the work-life balance. There, there must be some. Well, work, work is, is fun. We enjoy, I enjoy it. It's, um, I wake up thinking about it. I read, uh, you know, I've got a stack of books on my, my bedside table that I'm constantly reading and constantly going at and constantly learning new things. Um, so it's, it's, this is fun, you know? And hey, I got a couple of bars. They're fun too, you know? <laughs> That's got to be fun. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Mark Twain that said, when you love what you do, you never work another day in your life. Or I'm paraphrasing. I know it's something like that. It's very that. close. Because this is fulfilling for me, it's not considered work for me. It's not. I, en I enjoy what I do. I get the same fulfillment as if I was fishing, except it's not hot out there you know so so I don't I don't need a vacation from this do I regress of course I do and I'm an avid reader as well but to say gosh this is really stressing me or wearing me out you know I have to take a break I don't have days like that because I don't I don't do that type of work anymore that I need that I don't like regardless of the money so what I do now I get compensated for but I love what I do so I don't really need a vacation Everybody is looking for something. For some of us, it's happiness. For others, it's money. If it's money, Rob, you've got that covered. For everything else, Joel, that's your department. Joel and Rob, thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Joel Dawson, business consultant and motivational speaker, and Rob Powell, partner and CMO of Cardinal Capital Commercial Financial Services. You can find out more about Joel's motivation and Rob's money by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morrell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius' photos at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escadet. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. 
Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.